Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's the Full 40 with Chris and Rob, part of the Stay Tuned Network, brought to you by Nova Insider. It is good to be back with you. Season 5, Episode 2, we're back. Rob went to Europe, came back, did not get COVID. Amazing. Big for morale. Big for morale. And so we're here. A lot of talk about, even though... There's been no games played. There was like a couple scrimmages played. So let's like have a little bit of a conversation about it. But crazy how much is still continuing to happen as this march to the season takes place. It's shocking when you remove a global lockdown from the situation. News can happen. Basketball can happen. We're going to talk about it. Let's have some fun before we get into the seriousness of the season tip off, which is what a week, two weeks from now, something like that. Kind of wild. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of wild. So the preseason AP number four Wildcats took on the preseason AP number 10 Blue Devils Duke in Blue Devils. a the, of Duke. Of of Duke. Duke. <laughs> the Blue Devils um, of Duke. The University of Duke. The University of Duke. It's a good one. Um, took on them in Washington, D.C. to play a super secret scrimmage that was apparently not really super fucking secret at all. They've gotten less and less secret as the years go on. Yeah, right. It's now been like non-televised, but everyone's (laughs) going to kind of know what happened thing. Like you might as well just show it on television. It's a non-televised practice where both teams put out highlights of the practice. Wait a second, though. Let's talk about that for a second. Because Duke did us dirty, and there was, like, a lot of consternation on Twitter about this. And we need to get into that a little bit. Because we knew that there was going to be a super secret scrimmage. Like, that was announced. They were excited. I just love that we keep referring to it as the super secret scrimmage. No, no, that's that's, that's, that's just part of college basketball. It's one of those things you have to accept. You just have to accept that the non-secret scrimmages are super secret scrimmages. Of course, of course. Okay. So, with that being said, we knew that was going to happen. Boom. Immediately following the scrimmage. I don't even think the players left the building. And... All of the Duke fan sites, including the Duke Twitter account, like was posting about how Duke dominated. Duke like totally ran over Villanova. They posted a four minute highlight reel of what happened. And it was just obviously Duke scoring all the time. But like they just went on a media offensive coming out of the scrimmage and like i feel like jay was like just like okay i'm just gonna post a picture of me and coach k it's gonna be like got to scrimmage against duke today big respect for the program love thank you for the opportunity and the challenge right like and duke was just like fuck you guys we're going to post everything on twitter 
Well, and, and let's be real. Jay was going to take that approach because this, is, this isn't a 40-minute scrimmage. It's not like we lined up the starters. We said, best five, let's put them out there. Who's going to win? No, this is a practice. It was like a 20-minute kind of scrimmage, a few minutes with the reserves. They practiced different game situations. So what Duke put out was highlights of practice. We're talking about practice here. Like that is literally what they did. They clipped highlights of practice. And let's say worst case. Worst case, I don't know, Dixon got jocked on. Colin looked out of sorts. Justin Moore couldn't play defense and like threw a punch. That's worst case, right? If that happened, that happened in a practice. So everybody take a step back. Duke marketing, definitely take a step back. I got to say, Duke is probably reeling a little bit and they're like trying to get back in gear. Because if you remember last season, one, they were terrible to start the year. And then two, they just said, oh yeah, we're, we're not going to play the rest of the year because of COVID. So like they actually just kind of like backed out of the season, right? So they've got a little bit of making up to do. And it came off, I will say, it came off as a little bit desperate. Coach K, I don't know who's trying to go out to flourish. Maybe just a little oh, bit desperate. No, 100% desperate. They're trying to get recruits back into the program. John Shire, who, talking about jocked on, fucking the 2008-2009 Villanova team jocked all over John Shire um, back in the Sweet 16 in 2009 on their way to the Final Four. That was the last time we played Duke, by the way, and demolished them by 20. Um, that being said, yeah, look, everyone needs to take a chill pill. Some people were asking me after the blue-white scrimmage. People are people are posting on Twitter after the Duke scrimmage. Oh, no, what do you make of this? Are we overrated? Is Duke underrated? What do we make of all of this? Should we? Should we? No, guys, stop. Just relax. This is what happens in a preseason. I understand last year's COVID season gets everyone excited and everyone just wants content and wants to know what's going on with this team and wants to know like are we really good enough to win the national championship the answer to that question is tbd depends on our defense we've gotten into that in the last episode we could talk a little bit more about it today and i'm sure it'll be a narrative throughout the season but whether or not we can win the national championship is not going to be answered by a blue white scrimmage or a scrimmage against duke where we're literally practicing so Everyone just calm down. It was cool that we got to play against Coach K and Duke. The other point that I have to raise, though, is that Jay Wright is not a highlight reel guy. This guy, he hates it. He doesn't like it. He actually, like, like is against that type of thing. He's, like, he is competitive. He loves to win. Like, right, like, he's not just, like, a happy-go-lucky guy. Right, but Coach he's not. Jay is out- not a happy-go-lucky guy. Shut no, up. no. If you've ever been in an arena and heard him, he is not a happy-go-lucky guy. But, but you can't just say like, oh, like, are we going to be good or not based on that? Because Jay's just trying shit out in the early part of the season, even out of conference games. Jay goes out of his way to like make the players be in uncomfortable spots. Right. Like he does that intentionally. He tries to like see what his players have. He tries to like force them to play a certain way. 
And then as the season goes on, he kind of let loosens the reins a little bit, especially on offense. Um, but he wants like good switching. He wants, he wants offensive discipline early in the season. He wants the guys to play a certain way early in the year that even happens out of conference in the, in the season. And it especially happens in a blue white scrimmage in practice in scrimmages against other teams. Jay doesn't care if it's Duke that we're playing against or, or fucking Davidson. It doesn't matter. Like this guy is trying to get the most out of these players by March. Yeah. So don't worry about it. Yeah. And I will say in a perfect example that coach K even came out and said, basically made the same point and even alluded to the fact that at one point he said, both teams were running a zone at one point. And Anybody who's watched Illinois basketball over the past decade plus knows that we only bring out a zone on rare occasions. Ideally, we bring it out several times later in the year as a mismatch for teams to kind of throw something different at them. But again, that's not normal. So to your point, Jay is literally testing some stuff out there. I will say, you know, if I could pick out a couple things that did show up in the highlights that are interesting nonetheless, one, you see Colin going full speed there. So no real concerns there. I'm sure that's a big question in a lot of fans' minds. He looked fine. He was diving on the ground in some of the Duke lowlights, if you will. But good to see him out there taking shots, making passes, directing the offense. Two, I thought this was interesting. And again, it's real quick. You see it just rapid fire. But looking at both Justin and Caleb, to me, they look noticeably thinner than I was used to seeing them last year in particular you look at Justin you look at Caleb and you're like holy shit do these guys ever leave the weight room and actually shoot basketballs I would have guessed no this year maybe they slim them down a little bit maybe Shaq has them on a little bit of a different workout regimen potentially to make them a little bit quicker we'll see again that was like kind of first glance in there last thing I saw though that I will call out uh, you know, you see Dixon in there seem to be working with the starters as expected. So he's probably got that starting role relative to Nananjuku. No surprise there who's coming in as a freshman. But again, like you said, don't read too much into this, but there are maybe a couple things that you can pick out from a few of these videos. Well, definitely good to point out Colin seeming to move around quite comfortably at full speed. That's definitely a good point. Um, and Justin and Caleb point, I did notice the same thing. I, I wonder if part of that is like, well, we knew from, from Shaq from going way back that, 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 that Caleb was just a monster in the gym and he always was trying to limit him. And I wonder if that um, all of the offensive fouls, especially that Caleb would pick up that they wanted him to slim down a little bit because he would appear a little bit less big and maybe not get called for as many offensive fouls. Was, also, maybe not the same. I was maybe also not generate offensive fouls. Like if you got a guy who looks like a running back and then makes running back style moves yep. on a basketball court, yep. like going to get called for offensive fouls. So maybe that's part of the uh, the angle there. And then with Justin Moore, I think that's a little bit of an athleticism play. They want to emphasize a little bit more speed and quickness as opposed to pure strength. Um, especially if he's going to be out there pretty much hand in hand with Colin all the time. Like Colin obviously has some defensive limitations 
like do you want to make Justin a little bit more agile, take some of them, make make him a little bit more lean and get him to move around with a little bit more agility. I think that might be the reason why there. I cannot believe that you did not compare Colin Gillespie to Kawhi Leonard when it comes to defense. That is <laughs> terrible. Absolutely. I don't know. Could be the whole Ken Palm defense increased after <laughs> we went down thing last year. I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyway, I think those are probably the, the key takeaways or non-takeaways from both the Duke scrimmage and the blue-white scrimmage. Anything else or should we move on? Yeah, let's move on. Um, yeah, totally. Cool. Um, coming up this Friday, I don't know when we're going to drop this, but Friday the 29th, we've got the annual Hoops Mania, formerly known as Midnight Madness back in the day an awesome fan and Nova tradition that I don't know, kind of ebbed and flowed. If I look at it over the years, like, you know, a decade plus ago, wasn't really that big a thing then became this huge thing across the entire college basketball landscape. Now it's back to obviously with COVID, like maybe a little bit less of a thing, but regardless, it's kind of the official fan kickoff for basketball season You'd love to see it. We've had some great performances this year. So I'm just excited to have, have this coming up, have the fans back in the arena, which is a big thing, which we'll talk about shortly as well, too. When was peak Midnight Madness? I want to say that was around the John Wall era at Kentucky is to me like, is to me like that's peak was peak Midnight Madness. That's like what, 13... It was 2010. No, John Wall was 2009, 2010. Wow. I feel like that was peak midnight madness. I remember him with the, like, you know, the, 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 the the little dance thing that he did. Like, I distinctly remember that. Can we video clip that? Yeah. 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 I did the motion and looked horrible doing it. Um, And Brian and Rachel are definitely going to post that on social media for sure. Um, Run it back. Run it back. But I want to say that our Hoops Mania and Villanova peaked a couple different times, and it's purely based on what artists came and showed up. But, like, we went we went to a spike. Like, our freshman year, which was the 05-06 year, the year that uh, the Randy Foy-led team went to the Elite Eight, um, that, that year there was no musical performer. There was no special guest or anything like that. And we just had Bill Raftery show up, which- Bill Raftery is a special guest. Do not speak of him that way. That is offensive. <laughs> My God. He's wonderful. Sweet. I love, I love Raftery. Yes, but it was, it was ridiculous. Like that was not anywhere close to what it became. And then the following year, interesting to kind of recap how that happened. Um, so the following year, 50 Cent came and it was like just absolutely fucking bananas. But as I recall, we were supposed to get a different artist within G-Unit. And I forget who it was and I'm drawing a blank right now. Is if it anyone Tony, remembers. Tony Ayo, I think? It was Tony Ayo. Yeah, it was Tony, Tony Ayo and Lloyd Banks. Yeah, Tony Lloyd, Tony Yayo and Lloyd Banks were supposed to come. I believe we had, I believe the story goes like this. We had booked Lloyd Banks. Lloyd Banks had to drop late and said, Tony Yayo will do it. Tony Yayo was about to go and he was just like 
hanging with 50 cent and just go and and he was like oh i gotta get out of here i gotta go down to philly and tony and the story goes 50 cent was just like where are you going like why like like can i come and tony a was like oh i'm gonna perform this thing at villanova and 50 cent just came with him Tony Ayo comes out and performs and everyone's like, yeah, this is fine, whatever. And he goes, y'all don't want me. Y'all want, y'all want my boy 50 and out comes 50 cent performs so seductive at a Catholic school. And the rest is history. I felt like the bleachers in the pavilion were going to fall down. Yeah. That, that was, was our sophomore ab- year. Absolutely insane. Like yeah. people were not ready for that. So it was just like, because nobody expected it, it's just absolutely electricity throughout the building. And then we've had like a number of good artists over the years. Like we've had some interesting ones. We've had like Mims and Trey songs. I still, um, I still love Mims. Mims was, Mims obviously historically doesn't hold up at all, right? Like the timelessness of Mims is terrible. Like this is no why, this is why, this is why I'm hot. But at the time, Mims was hot. This <laughs> is why hot. I'm hot, was hot. Like Mims is a big artist. They call it what it is. He's not, <laughs> he's not a big artist now, but at the time, it was, it was a good pick. I'm hot because I'm fly. You ain't because you not. This is why, this is why, this is why I'm hot. I mean, that's insight. He's basically Shakespeare, baby. <laughs> He hit Wash Heights with the money in the bag. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Then there's oh Trey God. Songs. But then we had some real, like, real good, good hits. Like, Drake came to Villanova. Like, I've Drake. Heard, I've heard of Drake. Yeah, you might have heard of him. Kind of a big artist. Came to Villanova. Big Kyle Lowry fan. Uh, came to Villanova. Yes. We've had Rick Ross over the years. We had Fabulous, which is... Not as big for the current generation, but like Fabulous was enormous in the in the aughts, and like he was enormous. That was a big get, and he performed "My Time," which was a great sports-oriented rap song in that time frame. That is that is a great song. Yeah, and you also got to hear Jay Wright go. He's doing it Loso's way while he introduced Fabulous to perform, which was phenomenal. Um, and then you had a couple guys. They had French Montana, who was big at the time. School by Schoolboy Q, who was big at the time. Um, and then there's one person who I think can caveat nicely into our next topic, and that person is Nicki Minaj, Nicki. who at the time was enormous, an absolutely enormous get. Now. This could be controversial. I don't know. But Nicki Minaj is shtick and her act has kind of gotten upstaged over the years um, by Cardi B, by by uh, Megan Thee Stallion, etc. So her her time has kind of faded. She did make a move of late to try and get back into the into the world of uh, into the ether of being talked about. Uh, by talking about her cousin's uncle's friend's My God. husband who got a COVID vaccine and then got an ST an STD. That was <laughs> fucking wild shit that happened on Twitter. She that, became the main. That's how it works. That's how it works. 
You became the main character on Twitter and you just never want to become the main character on Twitter for a day. It's always the bad place to be. So I think, I think the FDA did come out and say COVID vaccines cause STIs. So just be on the lookout <laughs> for that. It's a booster that gets you. You don't know. You don't know. Yeah. You never know what's going to happen. All of a sudden, your testicles get all swollen. <laughs> Oh my God! What a fucking wild! We live in a world, man. What we a time to be! Al- what know. a time to be alive. But anyway, but anyway, why does this dovetail into our next topic? We want to talk a little bit about what to expect at the Finn and at the Wells Fargo Center in terms of home games this year, and what's going to happen. So, like certain other areas are a little bit easier to figure out what's going to happen. For example. Um, St. John's plays their home games at MSG. The Big East tournament is at MSG. We know what's going to happen in MSG. New York City has vaccination rules and regulations. No one's getting around that. That's what's going to be the case. You got to show your vaccine card. And there will be a full stadium for the Big East tournament this upcoming March. That's nice. We don't have any fucking clue because based on inside information, Villanova hasn't even communicated to season ticket holders yet, other than to say, thank you for your check. So, so Villanova has not communicated whatsoever on today, which is October 26th, with the season starting in two weeks from today. Mount St. Mary's game is two weeks from today, right? And we do not know what the rules are. How are you going to get into the fin? How are you going to attend the Wells Fargo games? Are there tickets available to those games to the general public? We don't know. Checks notes. Oh, yeah. Villanova would do this. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is on brand, to be clear, but doesn't make it any less embarrassing. No. Also to be clear. Not. But I, so, I will say, yeah, go, go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. So, so where, 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 do we, where do we expect this will happen? From what we understand is that the blue-white scrimmage, um, our producer did attend, and they required masks, but did not check vaccination cards. Now, the blue-white scrimmage kind of, it wasn't before, it wasn't before like the whole Biden 100 employees or less mandate vaccination thing, etc. There's been a lot more mandation that's a new word. Mandation. <laughs> Mandation. <I like> it. <laughs> There's a lot more mandating of the vaccine that's happened of late since then. But like, if if we want to go from that um, mentality on, like, we could say that's going to be what Villanova is going to require that that everyone has to wear a mask at the fin, but does not need to show a vaccination card. I think that's ridiculous. I just want to just call it out there. I think it's fucking insane. First of all, the student section makes up at least a quarter of the arena. I don't know if they're going to increase that percentage or decrease that percentage or what have you based on based on whatever. But Villanova's student body makes up about a quarter, or sorry, that, that goes to the game, makes up about a quarter of the total attendance in the arena at the Finn. At the Wells Fargo Center, it's like 15% or something like that. Fine. Students do not need to wear masks on campus. They just need to be fully vaccinated. 
right? Like I believe, I believe yeah. there was a period in the beginning where they kind of added masks back in because there was a little bit of a spike, but I believe they pulled that since pulled that back, made masks optional and just like fully vaccinated. You just do what you gotta do. They mandate the vaccine for the students. So there's a whole segment of the population who would theoretically be in, who you also want screaming and yelling at the top of their lungs, right? Um, that will be vaccinated that should not be wearing a mask in the arena, in my opinion. Right. There's basically no risk for those for those students, as you're is what you're alluding to, right? Like, but there's no risk the, for the students in general. They're fully vaccinated and they're 18 to 22 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like I don't want to fight people on the fucking COVID thing, but like all the statistics show, go read a book. All the statistics show that if you're fully vaccinated and 18 to 22, you're good. Yeah. Okay. Then you have the rest of the arena. They're going to wear masks. Like I get that half of the arena is fucking asleep during these games, but like, why are we making people wear masks? Just check a vaccination card. Why, why would you rather, why would you rather police people wearing masks in the arena as opposed to, except when they're eating, because magically you don't spew COVID when you're eating. That's a known thing. Yeah. COVID, um, COVID takes a break. It's got to take yeah. a break. Yeah, it's got to hang out for a second and let yeah, you yeah, eat, yeah, yeah. charge your batteries, yeah. and then it'll get ready to go. Again. <laughs> so so you, you got that. Why would you do that as opposed to just at the door, check a vaccination card when they check your ticket, boom, go ahead, move on? I don't know. I'm with you. I think it's easier. I think it's way more straightforward. It's in line with what a lot of places are doing. Like, I think, Phil, I believe Philadelphia restaurants have basically required the same thing, like, a lot of people coming in are probably pretty used to that. You go to other cities, other restaurants and venues across the U.S. Like that's pretty standard right now, that expectation. I will say the expectation isn't far-fetched. And also the vast majority of the population is already vaccinated. So why not just do that? It is, to your point, probably easier to do and net a more enjoyable experience for the, uh, for the fans as well, too. It's a fair point. Rachel's signaling money. Um, but we know that wealthy people and well-educated people are highly over-indexed on having the vaccine. So, yeah, I would, I'd be surprised if there are that many people who are season ticket holders who are not vaccinated, especially given that they probably bias, probably skew older as well which is just further inclination that they are likely already vaccinated. Yeah. Don't it's get like me wrong. Don't get me wrong. There will be a handful of alum who are season ticket holders who will scream and fucking yell over this. Of course. But like, but there's but always like, somebody who yells about something. This is the nature of everything. Like literally it doesn't matter what it is. There's somebody's always going to be mad. Yeah. I think we're on the same page there. But I think re regardless, like the good thing is the fans are going to be back in the building you're going to be getting back to that same atmosphere that you're used to both at the fin, which is nothing as well as other big East arenas where you might actually have some cheering and some noise. So we'll go back to losing, <laughs> go back to that terrible, terrible, I guess, home court disadvantage that we have. Cause just to remind everyone, we do not have. It's not a disadvantage, Rob. You got to remember, it's not it's a disadvantage because it's like playing a neutral site game, which That's is fun. True. That's true. Yes.
going back to playing our neutral site games for half the year. But anyway, good to have fans back in the building. Good to have Hoops Mania back this year. Let's get people jacked up and let's fucking go. Love it. Love it. All right. One fun topic. One fun topic to talk yeah. here. A little Halloween segment for everybody here. Oh, a little, well, a little be with the times. Halloween time. I mentioned before it's October 26th. Halloween's in five days. My newborn daughter is going to be a koala bear. Right. Oh, that's that's, that's pretty that's pretty exciting stuff right there, very right? Nice. That's very fun, very fun stuff. Uh, but Halloween is not just for the kids. Halloween is for everybody now. I think the adults kind of stole Halloween from the kids, if we're being completely honest with you. I think that's right. Yeah. Um, but what 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 Nova related thing would you dress up as? So I will say I am not a not a big Halloween guy, but I'm going to play the game. And and I will say I'm not a big Halloween guy because I was traumatized as a young child. I had so many terrible costumes. I would like. I would then repeat those same costumes like multiple years and then kids would call me out on it. I remember, I kid you not, kindergarten and first grade, I went as a, a ninja, which is like politically incorrect now. You know, I wore my karate outfit, right? I was taking karate at the time. Of course, like I walk into first grade, somebody straight up calls me out like, you were a ninja last year. I was like, well, fuck me. Like, <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just ruined now. Um, had a one year, one year I tried to go as a cowboy. Somebody thought I was a farmer, just really traumatizing. So a lot of that stuff just, um, put a bad taste of Halloween in my mouth. But to answer your question, um, I think if I was going to go as a Villanova related thing, I'd probably go as father Peter attending a basketball game. So I could sit there with a scowl on my face, um, which is kind of like my natural demeanor anyway. And just kind of show my general disdain and, and dislike for being in the situation. I love Father Peter to death. He did our wedding. It was great, awesome guy. Just doesn't love basketball. And it comes no. through, comes through pretty clearly every game he's at. And I, I love him even more for it. So I think that would be that'd be my call. You gotta love that he's done the job for 15 years. Villanova's had the greatest era of college basketball that they've ever had. And one of the best eras of college basketball of all time. And he's just like, I don't want to fucking be here. I'd fuck, like, I fuck this shit. I'm done. I don't want to do this. Um, that's pretty good. I don't have as traumatizing of an experience of Halloween growing up as you did. Um, Bless you. Yeah. But I will say that I'm a repeat offender now. I have a Captain America costume and I just kind of wear that every year. Like that's just been like what I've become. That's the guy I am. I'm could just- you, Could you be a koala father this year? Yeah, so I don't know what to be. I wanted to be a tree, right? A koala bear. Oh, that's good, that's good. That would be cute. Except I Googled Halloween costume trees and they're all fucking terrifying. <laughs> so I, if I want my daughter to absolutely flip a fucking shit, right? Like then I'll go that route. But I don't think that's going to be the answer. I think the more re realistic position is I'm probably not going to dress up while she's dressed up. And then I'll do my own thing when she goes to bed. Okay, fair enough. Um, any other villain, any Villanova themed characters you'd pick? I got one. I'm going to be 2000 
to 2019 Jay Wright and wear a suit mm, mm. because rumor has it that Jay Wright is not going to wear a suit this year. And I'm fucking pissed off. Wait, at all? At all? At all. He's just wow. going to wear the thing. We talked about this on the last episode. Should he? Should he not? We, I was pretty pro. You were pretty against. But you even admitted that you thought that big time games. Yeah. Yeah. Big time games. He'd, he'd sprinkle it in there. From what I understand, he's just going to go with the flow. Wow. And I think that that's bullshit. I'm just going to say it right. It is. So someone's got to step up and do it. I am Jay's a 10 and I'm a five, but it is what it is. I'll wear a suit. I'll bite the bullet. I'll wear a suit. I'm going to wear a suit to every game. How about that? You are I go to a game. I'll wear a suit. Doing the Lord's work right here. That's right. Someone should wear a fucking suit to a basketball game. Okay. If Jay's like, not going to do it, random guy in the stands will. Yeah. I like it. What screams athletic event more than somebody just wearing a suit, sweating their ass off? Like, I don't, I don't understand. Perfect. I love it. I love it. So, so 2000 to 2019, Jay Wright, that's my thought. I guess 2020, he technically, we played into 2020 before the whole fucking season got canceled and the world went to shit. But that's my costume. How do you like that? All right. That works. That works. All right. Um, I think that's pretty good on that. Should we move it along? Yeah. So we do have some exciting announcements that came out of recent. Um, just recently, we learned that Colin Gillespie um, was named to the first team AP preseason All-America team, which feels like a bit of a lifetime achievement award, so to speak, for Colin. Um, I was pleasantly surprised to see him on there. Like, like, look, I think the world of Colin, I'm not sure if he is the top five player in college basketball, but I definitely think he is like one of the best players in college basketball. And I think he was properly honored. And I was pleasantly surprised by how he was honored in getting that nod. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you on, on all those points. I think it's cool. It's cool to see. Um, hopefully he earns it throughout the year. Certainly if he does earn it throughout the year, that's going to mean good things for the team and, and where we've ended up. So knock on wood, that comes to fruition. What I hope doesn't come to fruition is he becomes yet another Big East player who earns a first team AP All-American and then doesn't get drafted, which we now have three of those. First was Scotty Reynolds, and then Miles Powell and Marcus Howard. So three, hopefully not four. We'll see. Real quick, I just want to throw this out there. Scotty Reynolds, if you are out there, you have an open invite to the podcast. I want to talk to Scotty Reynolds so bad. Scott Reynolds, Reynolds. as our friend Bill would say. Yes. Anyway, but yes, we have a – the Big East has all, all of them. I believe yeah, I think it's all good. of them, a hundred percent of the players who were first team all Americans and did not get drafted. Yeah. Yeah. Which so, is a remarkable feat. Very strange, very strange. But yeah, in addition to that, then we had some other recognitions um, on both the national level, Jerry West, Bob Cousy, Julius Irving awards for uh, Colin, Justin Germain, 
just on the preseason watch list, kind of to be expected for those guys, which is cool. The Big East all-conference team as well, interesting one. You know, Colin makes the first team there, no surprise. But then you've got Jermaine and Justin on the second team, which is interesting because I, I will say, looking across the rest of that first team list, I was saying, okay, yeah, I mean, like some of these guys seem like good players. You've got Nate Watson from Providence. You've got um, Paul Scruggs from Xavier for sure, like absolutely deserves that. Um, but that's like, all right, you know, are players going to be more impactful or better than Justin and Jermaine? And I, I certainly hope not, right? And I also hope that those guys see that list and that's bulletin board material. If I'm Justin Moore or I'm Jermaine, I look at that and say, no way. Like, there's no way there are four or five other players in the Big East who are better than me this year. And I hope they use that as motivation because those guys should absolutely be on the first team this year. And again, I think that's going to be indicative. If they are not on the first team, that's going to give you some insight into in terms of where we're landing and where we're ending up at the end of this year. I totally agree. I mean, look, Justin and Jermaine not being on first team is certainly a decision. I kind of get not, it's a decision. I kind of get not having three Villanova players on the first team, except for the fact that Villanova is ranked number four. UConn is ranked like 23 or 24. And then nobody else in the Big East is ranked. We are not expected to be challenged this year in the Big East for the regular season championship. That doesn't mean we're not going to lose any games. It doesn't mean anything like that, blah, 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 whatever. What it does mean is that we are not going to be challenged for winning the championship, at least on paper going into the season. So preseason, you would expect that at least a couple players would be on the first team all Big East for Villanova, for the team that is expected to win the conference going away. So that is an interesting decision. Now, Justin Jermaine, they made their way on the second team. That's great. Cool, whatever. If I'm, you mentioned Justin. If I'm Jermaine, I'm going to be like, how many years do I have to fucking play in this conference before people give me the respect that I deserve? Right? Jermaine, was no longer an X factor at the end of last year. He was one of the best players in the Big East last year. And it, that Big East lost James Booknight. That Big East lost Jeremiah Robinson Earl and a whole host of other players like to the NBA and elsewhere. Like Jermaine Samuels has a very strong argument to be on the first team all Big East, just purely based on the performance leading up to the end of the season last year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm totally with you. Not to mention defensive prowess, athleticism, and all the other things that go along with it. And you and I had had a spirited debate last year of that. I mean, I'm of the belief, as much as I love Colin, I'm of the belief that Jermaine is more important to come back to the team than Colin was. So like for me, Jermaine's the snub. I get Justin. Justin has only been there for two years. Yes, he's been good, 
but he hasn't proven himself to the extent, and especially late in the season because he had that uh, that, that twinge um, injury last year that Jermaine did. I think Jermaine got snubbed, and Jermaine deserved to be first team All Big East preseason. And I think Jermaine's going to prove a lot of people wrong this year. Yeah, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Um, I do want to talk a little bit before we move on because we did we talked we're talking about honors. We're talking a little bit about players. Just like, where are your mind at? We talked about this last podcast. This is like an evolutional, evolutionary process as to like, where does the starting lineup shake out? And I think when we dropped last week or a couple of weeks ago, we kind of were on the Caleb Daniels is going to get the nod train. I think I was pushing Slater and I've always been a Slater should start guy since like mid last year. But, but I think we kind of got to, um, Caleb, um, that we got to Caleb Daniels was more likely to be in the starting lineup. Has your mentality changed? Has your shifted because of the media that's been out there? It's an interesting question. Um, you know, if I look and again, try not to read too much into the scrimmage videos that came out, but you know, we've got obviously. Uh, Justin, we've got Colin, we've clearly got Eric, and I think you've got Jermaine locked in. So it really just comes down to who is that, who is that fifth spot. I did see a fair amount of Slater out there um, on the floor in particularly the Duke highlight reel. Maybe that's not a good thing that he was on the Duke highlight reel so much, but I did see a fair amount of him out there. So I don't know, maybe the winds are shifting a little bit and that Slater has kind of gotten the nod. It also wouldn't surprise me if that one shifts a bit back and forth early in the season as Jay kind of figures out and tinkers a little bit with this lineup. So look, if I'm, you know, if I'm picking right now today, yeah, maybe I'd shift it and say Slater, I think kind of gets that fifth spot just to give him a shot and see what he does with it. But also wouldn't surprise me if, you know, a few games in, Jay says, eh, I'm going to go with a little bit of a steadier hand and have Caleb in there. So I could see it either way. I think, again, picking right now, I'm actually going to give the nod to Slater. I'm he, looks, he looks big, too, man. Yeah. It's like, we didn't talk about that earlier on, but she's like, definitely hitting the gym. His body looks very different this year. Very different type of player. I'm going with Slater. Yeah. So there's a couple of reasons why. One obviously we're undersized so eric dixon's going to play the five to start the season you have jermaine you have you have uh colin you have um and you have justin that's obviously four of the five i don't think there's any dispute on any of that i think you need a little bit more height and length and athleticism in that lineup and so i think slater gets a little bit of nod i think the body work that he's put in etc his ability to shoot the J. We saw that in the highlights from the thing. So he hit a he hit a um, he hit a three in the highlight reel. What have you? Good. It's probably the only three. <laughs> we also saw Caleb hit a three. So just to be fair, right? Yeah. I, but with Antoine out to start the year, I could see Jay wanting to bring a guard off the bench because Antoine's not there to come off the bench. So so like. In other words, if if Antoine was available, then I could see Jay starting Caleb knowing that he's still got a plethora of guards to go to off the bench. 
without Antoine being available, he wants guards who can be a microwave off the bench, so to speak, who can light it up. So he's going to put Caleb on, on the sixth man role and Antoine in, I mean, sorry, and Slater in the starting lineup. That's where I'm at. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, we shall see over the coming the next couple of weeks for sure. Um, real quick thing to kind of round out the awards and stuff like that. Just a quick hit on this. So the athletic also came out with a, a pretty interesting article. They did a, an anonymous poll of, Big East players, I think they had about 14 or 15 players respond, answer a variety of questions. Where's your favorite place to play? Who do you want to play for? All that good stuff. Some of the things that stood out to me, the Finn non-surprisingly got no love whatsoever. Nobody wanted to play at the Finn. That was not recognized by anyone as a favorite place to play. Big shocker there. MSG definitely taking that away. One of the things that stood out to me too is Jay was not the number one coach that people wanted to play for. Both Ed Cooley and Dan Hurley ranked above him. So interesting there. Maybe Jay's reputation as a, a tough coach to play for has definitely gotten out. And we do know that Ed Cooley is definitely a guy that a lot of folks speak really highly of. So that one's maybe not a shocker. Um, and then wait, hold on there. If, if I was Jay, I'd be like, yeah, I don't want you to play for me either. So yeah, that's probably true. That's probably true. Yeah. Probably a lot of those guys got snubbed on the recruiting trail. Let's be real. Um, and then the last one that I will call out was there was something like who's hardest to score against. There were no Villanova players that showed up in that poll unsurprisingly. And that gets back to our defensive challenges this year. It's going to be an interesting one. I will say this whole poll is a little bit suspect though. Yes. Because there was also the question asked of who will win the Big East this year? Villanova gets seven votes, is the leading vote getter. Sure, makes no sense. The next leading vote getter was DePaul. Yeah. And let's be real DePaul is not winning the Big East. And nobody, including the entire team on DePaul, thinks DePaul is winning the Big East. So, I see that and I'm kind of like, oh God, like if I'm the athletic editorial team, scratch that question. Like just, we're not putting that in. I believe that, so there was, I believe 11 players surveyed, I believe. I think it was 14. Oh, it was 14 players surveyed. And I believe that they couldn't pick their team. Right. So I think a couple competitive guys, I have some thoughts on who they might be. It was anonymous, whatever it may be, whatever competitive i think they might belong to the 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 players of seton hall and providence um etc they banded together and they said fuck it i'm not picking villanova to win this thing so i can't pick my team to fuck it the ball and i think three teams had that independent thought on their own and picked the ball i like it i like it all right well anyway enough on that should we bring it home with a little heart monitor yeah, our first hot heart monitor of uh, season five, ladies and gentlemen. Very exciting. Theme of this, this episode's heart monitor is getting the bag. It was NBA contract renewal season, specifically for the uh, 2018 rookie class. So this included the one and only Mikhail Bridges, as well as Dante DiVincenzo, 
One of those two absolutely secured the bag. Kudos to McHale. Signed a four-year deal, $90 million. My goodness. Absolutely phenomenal. From the kid who was redshirted his freshman year and then just pulling it in a few years after that. Well-deserved, critical part of that Suns core that made it to the finals last year. Hats off to Mikhail. Super excited. $90 million. Jesus Christ. I can't even fathom that amount of money. It's not bad. It's not bad. Unfortunately, Dante did not get the extension from the Bucs. Um, you know, he's obviously still on the Bucs and they want to see him basically prove himself this year. He's been really injury prone. He's actually not playing right now as he's still recovering from offseason surgery. So there is definitely a question of can he come back? Can he prove himself, stay healthy? They unfortunately signed Grayson Allen to an extension and they kind of play a similar type of role on that team. So we'll see, um, you know, Dante's certainly shown plenty when he's healthy that ideally as a restricted free agent next year, he can lock that up. I will shout out to signed much earlier this summer, Josh Hart also secured the bag. I think he was like four years, $24 million. I mean, Hey, somebody gave me a four-year contract for $24 million. That's nothing to sneeze at. So, you know, it's crazy. In like NBA world, you're like, wow, $90 million, four years from Mikael Bridges. That's amazing. And it's like, oh, four years, like $30 million or whatever it was for Hart. You're like, oh, okay. It's like, yeah. wait a second, $30 million would absolutely be enough for me to live forever. So hundred oh, yeah. percent. Yeah. Like, so it's funny that. how like people say that. And then you're like, actually think about what that means. And especially for a guy like Josh, who's like, basically his life is like Chipotle and video games. So yeah. Like and, the, and wine that he gets for free through his wine and, and wine he gets for free, which he also gets Chipotle for free. And he yeah. also plays the video games for free. So yeah. like the guy is the most frugal guy in the league. Probably the it's only right. thing that he ever spent money on were those pants that he, that he proposed in um, that showed his double caked up Yo. situation there. Oh, he got some junk in that trunk for sure. For right. Sure. Right. Right. I believe he got married. I believe he got, I believe he did, that marriage take place. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yep. That's yep, a good yep. hard monitor call it for sure. Um, and another one to call it Jeremiah Robinson Earl kicked off his NBA career. He's got a few games under the belt for the terrible, terrible Oklahoma city thunder, Ugh. but Hey, he's scoring some points. He had 10, four and five in his first three games playing 15, 20 minutes a game seems to be doing all right out of the gate. So We'll keep an eye on him, but good to see him get those first couple buckets for sure. Sadiq Bay had like 21-7 yesterday. So big for morale. Just picking up where he left off. Let's go, baby. He also added, seemed to add more muscle in the gym. So I didn't know. No, how it does, I don't even understand how that's possible. I don't either. All right. Fi- you- final point. Final point. Ka. 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 Ka Lowry. Ka Lowry. Got a nice write-up in uh, it was the New York Times, I think, about his um, just kind of about his journey, about his shift from Toronto to the Heat. Obviously, taking a um, you know big step for him, leaving a place that he had absolutely called his second home in Toronto. Loved that place to death, but you know ultimately it kind of run his course both for him and for that franchise. So he talks a bit about what that transition was like. 
um, kind of how he stepped into a new role in Miami and, and, you know, kind of finding his voice as a veteran leader on that team too, which is, which is pretty cool to see him um, see how that's evolved. So um, definitely, um, definitely check that out if you can. Um, really cool little piece on him and that, that story continues to uh, continues to grow over time. Final note. Final we, note. We just keep adding to the heart monitor. There's a lot of shit. A lot of Final shit. note in the heart monitor. And this is a throwback heart monitor, um, but just came up. Paul Arizon was named to the NBA 75, the top 75 NBA players of all time. Paul Arizon, who said, I don't know, the rumor is like he invented the jump shot or some shit. I don't know if that's true. Um, but like, uh, th- that to me sounds like that can't be possibly true, but, but like, apparently it was true. I don't know, whatever. I'm just, I'm just saying I'm skeptical. I'm an auditor. I'm professionally skeptical by nature. So I'm a little skeptical on that story, but, but top 75 player of all time, Paul Arizon. And also I'll just throw out that George Raveling received a uh, massive honor um, last night. He was, um, he was honored and gave a, an acceptance speech that was apparently quite riveting. And, and Jay Wright and Patty Wright were on hand to um, to witness. Did you so. know Paul Arison's nicknames included Pitchin' Paul as well as Poppin' Paul? Uh, there you go. This is the full 40 bringing you value not, added. Not quite as good as Pistol Pete, but. <laughs> it's just, it's terrific anyway. Yeah. All right. I think that's all we got. Wait, did Brian, did you have a trivia question? To wrap I was going to close with a trivia question here. And I want to say, I don't expect Rob to know this answer being a Midwesterner. Um, but Chris, this is going to be. Appalachian, Appalachian. Just right, right out there, over there. Yeah. So going back to the Hoops Manian G unit, Chris is a New Yorker. I expect you to know this, but do you remember what G unit stands for? I know, I don't. It's gorilla unit. So. Okay. Would have been nice if one of you knew that, but you know we're not all super cultured here. <laughs> weren't they? Weren't they from Detroit? Is that wrong? Yes. Yeah, that's that's wildly wrong. I knew that. D twelve. Yeah. G. You're thinking of D twelve. You're thinking of D twelve. Yeah, yeah. That's and that's wildly wrong. It's offensively that's, wrong. It's not my Midwesterners. Uh, you guys just don't know hip hop. Gorilla so, unit. Really I probably could have gotten that if you would have given me like five minutes, but we're like wrapping up the podcast here. So right, you're thing. also simultaneously cutting me off in terms of time and then and then trying to get me to think of something at the top of my head. I didn't know the answer. Fair enough. Terrible. Awesome. All right. That's it. That's it. Our next podcast um, will be prior to the season opener. So we will have a full blown season opener podcast prior to the Mount St. Mary's game. That'll drop on the regular rhythm. That's all we got for you this week. Thank you for listening. And as always, let's go Nova.